Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Live from the Leyline. I'm your host, Cameron Porter. With me, as always, my boy, Avery. How you doing, Avery? I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. I'm very good. I'm excited today because today we have a guest for you, ladies and gentlemen. We have the comedian, Meryl Clemo. Did I say it right? <laughs> so close. Clemo, but Clemo. really close. Ah, she told <laughs> okay. me how to say it right. I'm, I'm telling you. Tripoli moment over here. Good Lord. <laughs> we'll get it one day. We'll get it one day. I'm excited to be here. Come on. Ah, yes. You can butcher my name <laughs> all you want. <laughs> <laughs> Porter's too good. I'm too easy. I can't get that wrong. Right. I know. Hey, you can call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. All right. That's uh, <laughs> okay. Wait, I just listened to uh, a recent episode. Which of you is doing sober October? Me. Yeah, oh, man. how's Oh my goodness. Bless your heart. How's it going? Um, well, I'm hanging on by my okay. fingernails. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing it. It's honestly, it's good. I've got a clear head and I can think properly. I'm not fucking up my words when I speak. That's something I struggle with. I'll get too high before the podcast and like fumble over my words. My brain oh, yes. faster than my mouth can. But yeah, it's it's been well, good going for you. Well. Thank you. Thank you. I have I wouldn't have done it. Otherwise, I have to pass a piss test at the end of the month. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm going to be getting a new job. And so I have to piss clean for them. And then I can get back to doing what I do. Well, I support that. You don't have some of my friends. Oh, actually, I should probably not, probably not say on here what some of my friends do to pass their urine test, but it's okay. Hey, <laughs> honestly, we probably we'll talk. talk about worse shit on here. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, ways to pass a piss test is not the worst of what we talk about. For the folks at home, cranberry juice is beautiful. Pure cranberry juice, not the cocktail. Pure juice, organic. You drink that like a shot a day. And then on the day of the piss test, chug it, chug the rest of your bottle and then a gallon of water and you're good for about a pee. That's the natural way to Damn. do it. They also sell detoxers. Yeah. Yeah. Black market urine. That's the big conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've also thought about that. You can tape the little Ziploc and then you got the hand warmers that you put in there with it because they check. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, they check temperature. You can't be pissing cold pee. Okay. So, yeah. Damn. That's what it's all about. But enough of the delinquency. All right. <laughs> um, I know. I'm so excited. Okay. You guys, I listen. the other episodes I listened to, I feel like you guys are in the upper echelon of like conspiracy intelligence. Like as we'll yeah. probably find out today, I'm a very, I'm not surface level, but I'm a very like pop culture conspiracy theorist and like right. a party, a party time one. But I okay. like how deep you guys go into and I can like play in that world a little bit, but you guys are like the, uh, the intellectual truth seekers so i already love it yeah awesome yeah awesome. we love getting deep into the details we um we skip the kiddie pool and we try to swim right into the deep end yeah and, um yeah that's that's my bread and butter but honestly the the pop culture stuff is a lot more fun for me i love like the the hollywood aspect of it and the the symbolism they put in movies and the, the illuminati and jay-z and his in his lady yeah Oh my God. I mean, I live in Los Angeles, which is so funny because it's like, you know, once you kind of know about this stuff, then it's almost painful to live here. Like I'm living in the land in which it is the most amplified and just right. the most annoying. But it, it is crazy when you're like driving down Hollywood Boulevard and everything is like the exorcist, like everything just looks satanic. And yep. 
you know, even if it's who knows what the intention is, but you can't deny that like everything is an upside down cross or like a big devil worship. And then there's, yeah. you know, paintings of all the Amy Winehouses and Tupac's and everyone. And it's just like crazy to be immersed in it, but also crazy that people like don't think it's a little weird or, you know, you can just feel it. Right. Right. Well, totally. I think that's probably done on purpose. In my opinion, I think they flood people with so much information about it that they're like, no way. There's no way that's real. <laughs> yeah. They're not actual Satanists. It's just an aesthetic. And it's like, okay, well, well, you haven't gone too deep and that's okay. You know, it's exactly. Right. And I love when people are like, oh, Doja Cat is just messing with you. She's just like pretending and being silly or funny. And there's another one too, like Sam Smith or whatever. And I'm like, I don't think they're that would be a weird like joke to play or like a weird sarcastic thing if so yeah. like who's laughing it's just kind of weird it's a terrible oh, totally. sense of humor if that's a joke <laughs> yeah yeah and that is something i talk about in stand-up too where i love i do love aspects of the younger generation because it's so funny where they take all these things that are very noticeable but like they're uh, irritated by it in a very funny way. Like they're like, oh, Doja Cat, ew, she's a Satanist. That gives me the ick. <laughs> and like, it's always like how embarrassing for her. And so they're able to see it, but like they make it icky and embarrassing instead of this whole, like, I don't know, the way they expose it is very funny. Cause it's like, ew, that's so embarrassing for her that Beyonce sold her soul. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's probably, it's more embarrassing for these fans that are like, come on guys. They, she gotcha. Haha. <laughs> She's just joking. It's like, yeah. <laughs> not a joke, ladies and gentlemen. Right. And I feel like there's other, other jokes they can do. Right. I agree. Well, and I feel like she was funnier back in the day. Like bitch, I'm a cow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, it's a weird joke to play to like lose a lot of weight and look unhealthy and like look like you've lost your mind and look, look vacant like behind the eyes and yeah, 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 yeah. What do I, I'm I'm impressed with her commitment to the bit, but yeah, that's a lot of pop culture. Um, but yeah, okay, I'm so excited to talk to you guys. You can... yes, yes. So before we get into it, um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, listeners that don't know you, uh, tell us a little oh, yeah. bit about yourself, where you got your start, where you're from, stuff like that. Okay, yes. Well, uh, I am originally from the East Coast and then made my way out to the West Coast and have done a lot of things in the entertainment world. That sounds like it's about porn, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> not, not yet. Give it like a year or two. But uh, I've done radio in San Diego. Uh, I had a very fun, very popular podcast. We're on a hiatus now, but a podcast called Campfire Shit Show. And it was a, a comedy podcast. And it was all about the shit show moments of life. And like during that time was also the time that I was kind of coming up in my interest in the Illuminati. So it was perfect where we've had, um, you know, we haven't had like Sam Tripoli on, but we've definitely had Isaac. Um, yeah, Isaac his, yeah, that was like one of my favorite guests and He's my old king. podcast host. He is the king. He really is like the goat of it. And I, I was telling uh, my old podcast host, Bo, like he is not in this world, but he's a very good sport. And so he just sat and interviewed Isaac with me for about an hour and a half. And I was like, you don't understand what this means. <laughs> and so, that is so cool. I'm going to have to look cool? back on that. That is amazing. Yeah, he was great. He was. I, I was so excited. And he was like very um i think he did a good job of also knowing that our audience is not necessarily people that are super tuned in or care about you know the material that he's talking about so he kept it like just very about like why people die in bathtubs and you know stuff like that right. and the symbolism um, yes yeah I, yeah i love it for the folks that don't know uh isaac weissop he runs that's an alias it's not his real name but and it's a play on adam weissop who was the creator of the illuminati back in bavaria and he like he says he's, that's his grand granddad or whatever. It's hilarious. His shtick is awesome, but he is so knowledgeable about this stuff. And he does a podcast called um, Popular Occult Symbolism and Pop Culture, 
and it's fantastic. I listen to it religiously. Every episode I, w- I listen to because every time I learn something new, he's a source for a lot of this knowledge. He really is. And I like his style, too, is not like hysterical or alarmist. It's very factual. And I feel like he's the first one to admit if he doesn't know something or doesn't know a specific reason why. And I feel like it's very level headed, you know, yeah. and so it's not uh so yeah, that is always one that I like. But anyway, but then yeah, so I did podcasting. My full-time job is in podcasting. I help people in that world. And um, I started doing stand-up about four years ago and moved up here to LA and am having a lot of fun with it and perform all over and do comedy festivals. And um, it's really fun. That's awesome. That's very cool. I I love stand-up comedy. I think that's one of my deepest passions. I, I st- It started with getting into Joe Rogan of course, but my dad would always listen to stand up in the car. We'd put on specials like Jim Gaffigan before I could listen to real vulgar stuff. Yeah. And then he slowly started feeding me like Anthony Jeselnik and Jimmy Carr and these comedians that push the envelope a little bit more. And, and But I love it. Stand-up comedy is such a beautiful art form. And I think it's one of the last bastions of free speech that we have. A hundred percent. And it is yep. so crazy you can't beat being in the room like live with people as they say stuff and i really do love you know la is tough for it because i feel like we're everyone's just offended here about everything so i I like doing comedy in other cities where you can kind of go a little bit farther and people like to laugh about very painful and sometimes dark topics but um but still there's that moment where you can connect live with the audience and i always find like stand-up unifies us and we find that even if we have different viewpoints, we're all like, we can pretty much laugh at uh, the same things. Right. Totally. Right. I completely agree. I, yeah, I love it so much. And to your point about LA being offended by everything and they're just talking about <laughs> Sam Tripoli says that all the time. He hates performing for people in LA. He barely does it. He likes to go on the road because, and it's such a, an inverse of what it used to be because LA used to be the place where you could say that shit. And then you'd go on the road and everybody, the rooms would be quiet while you're doing your bits and, and they're being offended by what you're saying. And now it's completely the inverse. Yeah. I just did a show with someone that is on his show. Is it X or something? I don't know. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, Xavier I, Guerrero. Yeah, it was so cool. And it's also, it's interesting also being a woman in comedy because there are so many people, there's so many like nice guys that I'm surrounded by that are just like, talk to you normally and just kind of like will bring you under their wing and that that gentleman was one for sure and we um he got a kick out of it because during the pandemic i had created these t-shirts that are called pre-canceled and so i wanted to like pre-cancel myself i love it (laughs) and so i was showing him all these shirts and he was like you know having a good he's like i fucking love these these are amazing so Mm -hmm. um he was he gets filed under like one of the really nice people like off stage in comedy too that's good to hear because he seems really awesome on the podcast and in his stand-up, but you never know how that translates. Right. And stand-ups can be so weird. There's also a lot of people – when I did radio, I was on the flip side where I had a lot of stand-up comedians come into the studio and talk to us. And there were so many people that just, like, had sunglasses on and just – I'm like, you're not Bob Dylan. Like, calm down. So it's just you – know, <laughs> stand-up can also be a very weird, like, ego-y, crazy, uh, you know, kind of community. But for the most part, I've been very lucky – yeah, 100%. I love that. That it shows me that it's possible and that you can you can reach for the stars and you'll end up getting there. Like you decide yep, you want to reach stand for the up stars and you do it. And that's I awesome. reach for the stars and I got a fake moon landing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Avery? Yeah. Are, are you a big stand-up guy? Um a lot of stand-up. Uh every once in a while I'll throw it on. I mean, he hates I, it. <laughs> I love and respect it very much. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah. 
what I love, this is a small tangent, but what I love is what's happening right now in Austin. I think there is something so cool happening in Austin. And it's like a, a resurgence that had happened during like Bill Hicks time. There was like this beautiful thing happening in Texas. And then all those comedians traveled and died off. And then they brought that spark back to Austin. And I think there's something cool going on down there. Really? That's so funny. I just, yesterday, one of my best guy friends is going through a major breakup now. And then in response to that, he's moving, he's a musician and he's moving to Austin. So I just had like an hour long talk with him about how cool Austin is and just like, you know, how, how excited he is. That's so funny that you should say that because I, I wondered about that. I mean, I know there's a lot of comedians that obviously like fled there and the whole Joe Rogan thing, but yeah. um, I told him I'm very interested in seeing what it's like doing comedy there and like, yeah, just the general like, community and the feel of it. Right. Yeah. And I, I listen to Joe Rogan religiously as well. I'm a podcast nerd. I listen to all of them. Mm -hmm. I try to. And every stand up that he'll have on, because he'll give them the true Joe Rogan experience now. They come in, they come to his comedy club, they come <laughs> yeah. see what's going on. If they're a comedian, they perform. And then they do the podcast and it's, you know, they'll probably work out and shoot some bows and fight a couple bears or something. They, <laughs> they do the normal Joe Rogan thing, but um, every it's, it's unanimous amongst all of them. They love the rooms. Everybody's receptive to what they're saying. Everybody's laughing. It's like, there's not a lot of offense being taken. And I love that. That's so cool. I also have an unpopular opinion that I think Austin has better tacos than we do in Southern California, which is gets me in a lot of trouble. But I like I like the Tex-Mex style better. Yeah, I don't have an opinion on it. I, I wouldn't know, <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. I believe. Take you. my word for it. Yeah, it, <laughs> it will be the most shocking opinion we have of, of oh, everything. That's funny. Well, I'll have to try it out. We'll see. I'll be the judge of that one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where are you guys located? I live in Colorado Springs. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's nice. Um, born and raised Colorado. I live in Arizona and currently I'm in Hawaii. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Living the dream. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Avery, Avery is, I, I relate him to Pitbull. I call him Mr. Worldwide all the time because <laughs> he's always traveling. <laughs> Mr. Pitbull is truly amazing. Do you think, I mean, I feel like Pitbull has to be in the Illuminati, Probably. but I don't mind if he is. Yeah. He's one of the good ones. <laughs> he is. Like I feel like he's kept his soul or whatever soul he upgraded to is like, like better than the one he had before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I agree. I agree. So tell me a little bit more about your start in comedy. I mean, you probably started doing out open mics and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I started and I always advise people for me taking a class, a stand-up class, really, really was what helped. Um, I was doing everything stand-up adjacent. Like I had said, I did podcasting for many, many years, and uh, we were interviewing a lot of stand-ups, and then I was on the radio and doing that, and I felt like I was doing skits and kind of uh, writing and doing everything but stand-up, and my friends that were stand-up comedians were like, Meryl, if you don't do stand-up, we're going to... I One literally threatened to punch me oh, <laughs> at a <goodness>. party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so... so but, you know, despite my threats, I, um, I knew for me, like learning it through a class would probably be the best way. You know, I think some people just want to get up and riff at open mics, but for me, like I like more of a structure to know what I was doing at first. Right. So I took a wonderful class up here in LA and the final, you know, quote unquote, the final was a five minute set, which seems very short if you don't do comedy, but if, you know, if you do stand up five minutes is a five minutes is long so time. Long. Like, 
Right. And it, it got us prepared where we had eight weeks and we learned the basics of joke writing and um, just learned a lot of other material that even if they weren't like form jokes, there's still stuff that I can go back to. You know, like one one class, we just wrote like 30 things that we hate in life. And it's like those are kind of things that you can get started of right. just brainstorming. And then uh, then, yeah, then it got us ready for a five minute show. And it also just taught you the basics of not complaining where you are in the lineup because that's a big thing you know when you're like a new comedian you, sometimes you have to go first in the lineup sometimes you're dead last after like 13 people and you're going on at midnight and so just learning to kind of take that and be professional um and then we weren't allowed to bring our notes up so like you know learning just to kind of be scared and just free on stage right. and um once i did it i definitely loved it and you know, I, I've had some really good shows. I've also had shows where I've performed to like one person <laughs> eating a salad in the audience. And there's also shows it's, it's a really good learning experience because um, I feel like standup is the number one thing I've learned just about myself and my own ego and humility and stuff, because it's like, if it doesn't go well, it always comes back to something I'm doing or not doing and learning how to like have clarity in your standup too, was one of the biggest game changers for me. They, you know, just, if people weren't laughing, like if I broke it down, I'm like, oh, they're not laughing because they hate me. They're laughing because I don't think they're understanding like what I'm saying or right. it's too long or my point isn't really coming across. So that has been like a really big learning thing for me that I love. Yes, absolutely. And I think awesome. I find that in life all the time. I have a difficult time getting my ideas across. <laughs> I feel like my brain runs off in like four different directions and mm -hmm. I got to wrangle them. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes and that is uh, with stand-up sometimes it's like the the nitty-gritty part is just writing out sentence by sentence because a lot of times i'll just go up and be like say something and then in my mind i'm like this is such a good premise but then when you're up and the lights are hitting you and you know the nerves are going then it kind of gets twisted and turned and so it's really about like writing it down and shortening it and tightening it and then memorizing it and then then once you do it like i think the first time i did a 20 minute set that was like I felt this like, whoo, okay. Like I, I felt like then doing like an eight minute or 10 minute set felt a lot easier right. and a lot more sparing. But um, yeah, for me, it's always just been like sitting down and writing and being prepared for what I'm actually going to say rather than just being like, oh, I'll just make it up when I'm up on stage. It's fine. Right. And then you're deer in the headlights. Like, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then it doesn't go over well. And it's like, in my mind, you guys were going to be roaring with laughter over this. <laughs> but but, right. but I really found that it's like, I feel like people laugh, even if it's not super funny, if something is like really clear, then at least they're more on board than just like looking quizzically at you if, you know, they don't know what you're talking about. Right, right. And I feel like a lot of the greatest comedians, there's maybe a joke every five minutes, but they're they're getting you to agree with them. They're telling you ideas yeah. to agree with. Like people like George Carlin, he was barely funny, but he would just he'd yell at you and he'd make you feel silly and explain how the world works and explain the government yes. who the owners are. And then at the very end, there'd be like a little punchline and everybody would laugh. But everybody had a good time the whole time. Totally. Yes. And like watching people like Chris Rock. And Kevin Hart, they'll, it might not even be like the most funniest thing, but it's like they'll state it really loud and then they'll walk back and forth saying it three or four times. And so yeah. it's like they're, they're driving it home and they know what their point is. And that stuff can only be that stuff is just like someone's by themselves at their computer, like working on it for days and months beforehand, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, very cool. I it's love cool. That. It's fun. It's such an interesting process. And I feel like every comedian has a different process for it, but they all are working towards the same goal, which I think is cool to see. 
Yeah, for sure. And I've, I'm lucky that one of the good parts that I do like living in LA, and I'm sure it's the same in Austin and other cities, is that I have friends that are that push me to go to open mics and like do things. I think naturally, I'm just kind of more almost like an in, inclusive, you know, whatever introverted person where like, I like to just work on my stuff alone. But right. it's almost like for stand up, you have to be around other people and go to the open mics and network. So I'm lucky that I have friends that are like attention hogs and just want to be on stage every minute <laughs> yes so. i think that's healthy <laughs> yeah it's it's easy especially if you're a perfectionist and you take a lot of pride in your work to you know isolate yourself and just write 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 and think you have this magnum opus and but you haven't bounced it off any heads and then you go you take it to the mic and nobody laughs and you're like yes oh, what's wrong with it Oh my gosh, that really that has happened a lot too. Yeah, and it's like just weird because then it, also learning that a lot of times at open. And this is also advice for new people: if you go to an open mic and it like seems horrible, don't let that get you because I think a lot of times at open mics people aren't laughing because they're in their own head or they're getting ready to go up. And so that doesn't mean like people should quit. It just means like, I think if people are doing shows like smaller shows and you're doing like your fourth show and it, the material is not hitting, maybe that might be a sign. But right. to me, there's been stuff that I've done at open mics that like people just look weird at, but then it shows it goes over well. So. Right. Right. And I hmm. think, yeah, there's a lot to be said about that. People worried about going up. They're worried they're not going to be as funny as the last person that was just up and they know yeah. they're two heads or two spots ahead and they got to clean it up beforehand. Yeah. Exactly. And just like it is with podcasting too, I've really seen this movement in people producing their own shows and not waiting to get picked. Like, luckily I've been able to be, to perform at like the comedy store and the, the improv and stuff like that. I've done like, you know, shows there as part of a other big production, but more and more like people are just producing their own shows and having backyard parties and 200 people will come and it will be like a huge thing. So that's something else too. If that, if people are interested in stand up, is like you really can create your own little community and like you can start having shows where there's a lot of people there. You don't have to just wait until you're booked at right. like a huge theater or something. Right. I love that. I love that. Oh, interesting <laughs> stuff. Um, I'm trying to think here which direction. So I want to start moving it into conspiracy realm. Hell yeah, that's what I'm really interested this in. Is, yeah. yeah, this is where we, uh, this is our bread and butter. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to know what your red pill moment was. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is really good. Um, okay, this is so bad, but I'm still not sure if it's true or not, but I'm just going to say it without a lot of pre preamble. But um, around the time of like the a lot of the school shootings and the Boston bombings was, and like I said, I still don't have a formed opinion on what happened, but my mind started expanding when I was watching videos of like uh, other possible scenarios or explanations behind what was happening. Right. So I, a, co a coworker had showed me some videos and I was watching and um yeah, I started being like, oh, my God, my mind is blown. And it, this was about, like, a lot of the, I, you know, Sandy Hook. Uh, like I said, I still, to this day, like, I don't pretend like I know exactly, like, what didn't happen or do does, you know, happen and why. But um, I started watching and just being like, whoa, I think what we're seeing on the news is not the full story. Right. I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was actually big in my early come up in this stuff as well was like seeing how the same actors are there at every yes. crisis and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Right. And that's, so that's, that's awesome. the thing is like, 
Right. And I didn't want to like all, all of a sudden assume that they're, I always think about, okay, like what happened if my parents really did like die in some tragic incident and then people online were denying that that happened or, you know, how would I feel? So I didn't, I still like haven't made up my mind if there are, I'm sure there were like maybe kids that died or like, I, I don't really know. I don't know at all, but I do know that it's weird that like you said, like there seems to be crisis actors and that these things pop up a lot during election years. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was that. And then I got way more into, I think that led to more of the symbolism in pop culture, like the Super Bowl. Um, and then it just kind of cascaded into insanity for me <laughs> after yeah. that. And then, yeah. then, then it, like, you know, I've always been interested in this stuff um, since that moment, but then during like the pandemic, I felt like it, for me, I had to take a step back of all of it just to like not have my nervous system go crazy, you know, of just, it was too much to handle. And I felt like I didn't want to get in fights with my friends and family. And it was just like on both ends of things, I needed to just chill and like go back to drinking coffee in the sunshine and not being <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> so yeah. Cause I, I, I have um, thoughts on that too. Obviously we all do, but like, it just got to be like, it's not, it wasn't worth it for me to like be on Facebook arguing with people. And it just was kind of like a little insane. So yeah. Right. It's very easy. I, I say it all the time. If I want an argument, I'll get on Facebook because you can find one almost immediately. <laughs> the, and I, the 2014 to like 17 Facebook arguments were, they would hit different, you know, they were different. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they were hitting different. I was uh, exactly Facebook fight champion. Um, <laughs> um, I had to like get rid of it. I had to delete Facebook cause I would just get into it so much. It would be like, I'd wake right up and get into a fight with somebody on Facebook and it would just set the tone for how my mindset was that day. And it was just, I felt how toxic it was. Yeah. I had like a friend who I actually really liked and like thought was an intelligent person and stuff. And I had posted something very innocuous about like, I think I just wrote like, thanks to all the people that are in, uh, like people that are interested in nutrition and like actually healing people, you know, actual health people. Like I just kind of said like, thank you to the people in health. And it wasn't even like a backhanded compliment. I just meant like, thank you to the people that are like interested in health and wellness. And then she unfollowed me and messaged me that like, she's offended and she knows that I hate Joe Biden. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was just saying like, thank you to the people that give me vitamins. <laughs> like, it's just so weird. So stuff like that and I, i'm sensitive and it hurts my feelings so it's like i just had to not argue with with her on that right yeah and it is so weird these like and i don't want to say these people like it's a specific group i think it's like how a lot of the people in america are like we're all pavlovian we have these instant responses when we hear things and it's so weird you would bring up anything about health and immediately oh joe biden uh, uh, trump this totally like, whoa i didn't even talk about them dude yeah, you for going against a billion, a billion dollar snake oil industry. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so weird. But it, like, I always think of, I even have a little bit of stand up about this, or whatever, but I always think of the conspiracy world as like a high school cafeteria where like, you know, where would I sit there? And yeah. to me, like I would be sitting at the table where we'd be having more fun talking about like, as we said, like the moon landing or the Paul McCartney or like more of these types of things yes. rather than like arguing about Trump and vaccines. That's just like not my really interest you know no me neither and those there's such draining conversations because honestly these yeah. people aren't looking to get any more information they're trying to change right and that's what i've realized is like you just can't engage with a lot of people who have these set in stone beliefs about what's going on you just got to plant the seed give it a little water and walk away yes yes a hundred percent yeah man
So you were talking about uh, the school shooting, SH. I don't want to say it, I don't want to say it too often because this goes on YouTube. I don't know how YouTube feels about that. I know um, Alex Jones is kind of getting his peepee smacked for that. Yeah, he got in a little bit of trouble, but um, they won't get like a billion dollars out of me. Whatever he's paying, I don't have that. It's, it's a trillion. I think that it, no, oh my it's, God. it's a billion. It's, a oh, billion. it's only a billion. Okay. Okay. I, th- yeah, yeah. I was looking at the numbers and it was ridiculous. I was like, how can somebody even ever pay this? And it's not because <laughs> they're expecting to get that money from him. They're setting a precedent for anybody else that wants to say anything. They say, look, exactly. what they, look what they did to Alex Jones. They sued him for a billion. Do you really want to talk about that? Yeah. And that's what they're doing. Right. And I feel uh, like we should have a right to question everything. And like, yeah, like I think all people want a lot of times is answers or just more, reasons to know like why something is happening and we all we all know that like the government and media tricks us like i feel like at this point even the most naive person has like an inkling that that kind of stuff happens um but yeah it's just like the extent like i mean i don't know do you guys think that children actually died (laughs) or like i don't really know i do i do think kids you do okay yeah yeah i think these people at the top don't give a shit about human life I don't think they care mm-hmm. if a couple kids die if they're going to make a point and they're going to harvest all this energy off this fear and and panic. Um, that's where I think a lot of this is done for a lot of these tragedies. Uh, part of it is to sway political views. A big part of these shootings is to push um, Second Amendment rights being taken. Exactly, it's a yes. gun grab. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also beyond that, at the top, me and Avery talk about it all the time. It's Malachians and Luciferians at the top. It's these people who are, you know, devil worshipers, but it, it's even deeper mm-hmm. than that. It's not like Church of Satan devil worshipers. It's like they're actually worshiping these devils that were talked about in the Bible. These things like Moloch, who is the god of child sacrifice. And that's why they're doing these mass rituals of child sacrifice. That's why this Maui fire killed all the kids in their homes. And yeah, and, and I always think too, like the Lady Gaga's and the Billie Eilish is like, those aren't the worst of the worst. Those are like the puppets of, of the worst, you know, oh, yeah. they're not, they're like, it's not Katy Perry that's like scheming on all of this. No, no, <laughs> no, oh, God, but I think, no. I think when I first got into it, I was thinking that Katy Perry was like the CEO of all of this, but, <laughs> but no, she, she's just like 500 removals away from like the head of whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how I felt even about like, like Boston, the bombing and the Manchester stuff. Like I was like, I think real innocent people died and that is very sad, but there, but I think like the reasons why some of these things are happening and like the response to it is what's kind of tweaked in my absolutely. mind exactly absolutely and yeah, i exactly. want to be clear for the folks at home we're not saying that we don't believe people died or that it's not no bad. i totally do yeah it's bad it's terrible that these people are dying and we got to fight tooth and nail so that these people don't keep dying like this but you also need to like don't let because these people died that fact be buried that you you can't even bring it up you can't talk about it or question anything that's what they want yeah, really? they want you to just shut up Right. And yeah, I feel like in our society, there should be more space to talk about stuff, even if it's like, that's ridiculous. I don't believe that or, you know, whatever. I think we shouldn't right. be so quick to snap on each other. Yes. And it's sad. That's what the climate of the world is right now. People are so quick. And even I found it with people who even I agree with on a lot of things, you'll say one wrong thing and they jump on you and then they almost discredit everything else that you've agreed with them on. And it's so frustrating. Like in particular I, I was talking with um my grandmother's boyfriend we were talking about you know covid we always get into it about covid <laughs> and the jack scene every time we're going deep into it because you know i just i'm trying to like plant little seeds you know i'll show him like his he yeah like, 
he likes to believe CNN. And I, I'm trying to yes. him. And anytime I bring up that CNN is bad, he, he rebuttals with Fox. And I'm like, mm, no, 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 no. You're right. Point. They're both bad. It's like, yeah. right. 100%. Way over here. Let's not look at Fox either. But let's take this one and stop looking at this one as well. Because you're given all these ideas. And I explained to him that Obama during the, the, I think it was the Patriot Act, basically said, yeah, you're allowed to uh, lie to the people. You're allowed to put misinformation in the news. And that was never really like legal. You could be find and and your journalistic license can be taken for that but now it's i think that's become the mode is they're feeding these people propaganda yes yep no that's funny because my my parents are big like every time i go home cnn is at volume 11 and like they my mom like cries at kamala harris and you know it's just (laughs) i've I've also learned like in the scheme of life like my relationship with my wonderful parents that i love is more important to me than like fighting to the nail all the time you know so i tell them these things and i just think okay like every day they'll see a little bit more but maybe in this lifetime they they're going to see all that their you know nervous systems can handle or something and that's okay right um you know i think about I that. that yeah oh uh, and then on the flip side i was gonna say too i also have some friends that i feel like they'll send me kind of panic porn or whatever about like um you know the the ring thing going off which like i said it's probably something weird like our alarm I'm, it probably is something weird i don't think it's like syncing up with whatever chips we're having in our bodies like i don't think that but i've also had to tell my friends on the on kind of my side too like and say you don't need to like send me a million scary things because I don't want to be like scared all the time that I'm about to get dragged away or whatever, you know? Right. People had a field day with that phone test. They were like making everyone put their phones in the (laughs) microwave and wear tinfoil. Right. And like where I'm at, I turned my, I went on airplane mode. I turned my airplane mode off, but then I put it back on and I like had a laugh with friends and then, you know, we sent each other memes about becoming zombies. So it's like, it's both where I did not think I was about to become a zombie. In some ways you guys will, will know that we already are like in the zombies to a certain extent. You know what I mean? So I'm like, you know, we already are kind of living that way, but um, yeah, I think it's like important not to live totally scared for every single story that we see. Right. Absolutely. I completely I love that you say that. the zombies. Um, we uh, over a generation of generation of generation, we absolutely have just become consumers. That's all we are. Just, right. We're just cattle. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I remember being so scared that it's like, oh, they're going to get us to upload our consciousness. And that's like, but I'm already halfway there. Like I live on Facebook and Instagram. And so I'm already like not doing a wonderful job at sovereignty in my own like electronic mind. So, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, one of the coolest or like most interesting theories I heard about that little alert that they sent. You guys ever seen Kingsman? Mm-mm. So there's this movie that they made uh, and it was about this. It's like a newer like spy movie. It's like in Britain and it's a really great movie. But the main antagonist is Samuel L. Jackson. And he's like this new age, like hipster dude wears like nice white shoes and the hat turned sideways. <laughs> And he's got a lisp and it's hilarious, but he is producing this this phone chip, this little SIM card that he's given to everybody for free. And he's saying, hey, free, free Wi-Fi, free calls and texts and whatever. Like, it's for the people. I love you guys. But then at the end of the movie, it sends out this frequency that makes everybody violent. And they start attacking each other. That was the cool thing. And you think that's what it was? No, it's just something I heard. No, I but, thought, but it, it could be so something. Compelling. Yeah, that is. And, and I could see something like that 
more happening. And I mean, if you think about it, like to a certain extent, what they're doing to our food sources and like our soil, like I think, you know, more, more conspiracy or whatever people need to like look into what like the lack of kind of nutrients in our soil and our water and, you know, more of the stuff that really is going into our um, bodies, you know, yes. the plastics, oh, all that stuff. Like, 100% things like fluoride. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, if anything is truly making us like slowly into weird zombies, but. Um, oh, 99% of all disease in the, in the modern age comes from the diet. Our diets are awful, yeah. especially in America. <laughs> oh my gosh. A hundred percent. And like, I feel like fruits don't even like taste that good anymore. It's just, it's, it's, they, I think that's one of the biggest crimes that if we put our attention like more into that and kind of, and I just watched, uh, I don't know, there's some documentary about just the life of farmers and how like so many farmers are committing suicide and, you know, they just have like a very tough life. It's tough to be like a, a small farmer right now. And that's, that's like truly happening. That's not a pretend conspiracy. It's like real, you know? Oh right. yeah. Well, like oh, I love how you bring up fruit. Um, that I just recently learned that if you um, juice any almost any kind of fruit you can think of nowadays, you can respray crop with the juice from the fruit that you're supposed to eat. Oh because my it's gosh! Pesticides, yeah, it's crazy. Pesticides, are See, yeah, exactly. That I feel like Katy Perry is behind. <laughs> damn it, Katy Perry! Yeah, damn it, Katy Perry! Katie Perry. Wait a, my oranges, <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, I was. Thank you guys for letting me talk. This is so interesting and cool. Of course. Of yeah, course. Yeah. This is this is like my favorite thing to talk about. And I love that I get to talk about it like weekly with people. It's my favorite. Yeah. And you guys probably encounter so many different levels of like seriousness of people, how they take this topic and what, what they're specifically interested in. Right. Yeah. yeah I think that's that awesome. Go, there's people that go so deep. I mean, I mean, I would put me and Avery in this bucket, but uh, like talking about the fallen angels and the watchers and the people that rule this realm. And, um, but then you get people that boil it all the way down to just like, you know, the symbolism in Lil Wayne's rap song. And that's their favorite part <laughs> yeah. about the conspiracies. You know? 100%. I have one friend that's really into language and like the words, you know, like, so we'll get stuck at a party talking about police is like pole I see or, you know, and so just like the little ways I'm, my brain isn't adapted enough to like handle all of that. But, but just learning where even like the words and our language come from is really interesting and mind blowing. Yes, absolutely. To that point, something interesting that I learned actually from Isaac Weishaupt, he did a podcast with Juan Ayala and Dona. I don't know if you've heard of either of those guys. Um, they're both in the conspiracy realm as well, but they were talking about uh, the word grammar and how its root is grimoire and how we, you know, we call spelling. It's like you're spelling something, but it's like the Spell. English, the English language is literally crafted in a way to be grimoire and these like spell casting Whoa. Yep. packages. Yeah. Yep. See, and it's even, yeah, like, like television like that sound that when i heard that i'm like oh yeah that makes so much sense why has no one yep. broken that down you know yes yes it's so damn it's very interesting i can't remember what the word for it is i i want to say etymology but i think i'm wrong let me look it up Might there's be a, right there's a word for that either that or it's the study of bugs i don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh i was right the study of the origin of words and the way in which their meanings have changed throughout history yeah, that is so interesting. I would love to take like a whole class on that. Just love everything. Yes. Yeah. If I ever go to college, I feel like I would never take like I wouldn't do business or math or writing. I take like etymology, philosophy, <laughs> you know, comparative religions like 
you really get a good grasp of what we got going on here. It'd be awesome if you got your doctorate in that. And then like one day on a plane when they're like, we need a doctor. It's like, oh, I yeah. just, I know the, the meaning behind like emergency, but I don't know how to actually fix this person. Right. Yeah. Um, like, I, I wanted to say. You can't spell it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wanted to say, I think it's good that um, you and a lot of people kind of just dip their toes into the water of conspiracy because once you kind of go all the way in, like we have, it kind of ruins everything for you. Everything's yeah. all for you now. Like, oh my yeah. gosh, I can imagine everything from like the, the big, like the voting system and, you know, politics to like the little stuff of just what movies we see. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I really made a conscious decision to like still go to Coachella and see Beyonce and like I, I saw Billie Eilish and, you know, I'm able to like still appreciate it kind of, but at the end of the day, I'm like, ew, get that stuff off me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. It ruins music. It ruins a lot of stuff. <laughs> it totally does. It really does. And especially with like lyrics, you know, just what we all say to each other is chants and like, like, yeah, just, I feel like people saying lyrics over and over, especially now, like it really is like spells that we're casting on ourselves and others. So. Absolutely. Well, people like Lil Uzi Vert will tell you, he's like, he's like, ha, gotcha. You're all going to hell with me because you've been saying the same shit I've been saying. And it's oh. like, yeah, he's like tricking these people into saying these things. Like, I can't remember what the song that he came out with most recently. Um, but it's like, it's just like this weird, like hypnotic beat. And he's like saying it over and over again. And it's like, it's so interesting. It's like they, these people are dark arts occultists and they're masters of hypnosis. These yeah. high artists. That's what I believe. Yeah. It's obvious. And uh, we actually talked about it in one of our episodes, just the um, importance and the power behind frequency. Yeah. Yeah. So the we believe that the higher end artists are literally putting frequencies into their music to make you feel shitty. Or if it's an aggressive song to make you feel like you want to go out and do something illegal, you know, like yeah. it gets deep. It gets deep. Right. Yeah. I, and, I tell, and everyone else. Yeah. No, oh, no you I'm go, sorry. you go. I was telling my girlfriend to that point about the music making you aggressive. Like I'll be, you know, I'll be listening to like an artist like Bones, who's this, he's like a sound called rapper, but it's like this angry music, you know? And then I'll be in traffic, like getting mad at people, like <laughs> like ready to go to blows over simple traffic shit. Yeah. The, the ludicrous get out of my way, but there are some like that. I'm like, okay, I, I can handle that. But even just the feeling of like Travis Scott's, like the kind of the images of like his eyes rolling back up in his head and it that like, just feels so icky to me, you know? And yes. so that feels enough for me that I'm like, eh, that's not a match for like what I want in my sphere. But there are some musicians like more of like I'm more of a nineties girl. So like Tori Amos and like more of the nineties bands that I, I love still. And even if they're yeah. involved in it, I'm still like, okay, I like REM too much and Matchbox 20 to. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Oh, the yeah. Goo Goo Dolls could be in the Illuminati. I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> See, exactly. Like you don't want to ruin it for yourself, you know? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, don't you feel it's hard to escape that now just in a, if we're living in a society where you have to pay with money and like you're trading time for money for a house and it's just like, we have to live in it in some level. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We're, we're forced into it. You have no choice. I mean, you know, you're, you listen to the radio, you can't go outside without hearing some form of media getting in. You go to a doctor's office, the TV's playing a movie, you know, you're yeah. the airport, they're playing CNN it's right it's everywhere you can't get away from it um what i think people can do though is just inform themselves understand what's going on because once you understand it you can still appreciate it without participating because i think it's yeah. these people these ignorant 
useful idiots that are participating in these musical rituals. They don't even know what they're really doing. And because they don't know that ignorance is played on and their energy is siphoned right off the top. But for people that yes. understand, they can kind of put the cap on and like, nope, you can't have any of my energy, but I'll appreciate your art. Yes, 100%. And I feel like now, and I want to look up that soil documentary, but I feel like now the real kind of revenge is like how you said, and also having your own community where you're growing your own food and you're not tied to Instagram every single second. You know, I'm, I'm far away from that. I'm still living in that world. But um, I feel like that is the best, like instead of people sitting online and fighting every minute, now I feel like the real power move is kind of truly going off the grid and growing as much as you can and like, right. you know, being connected with the earth. That's the real fuck you. Exactly. I know that's <laughs> not what I thought when I was a kid. I thought the real fuck you was to like take up arms. Totally. Running in. Actually, it's just growing food. Exactly. And okay, I looked it up. The uh, the name of the documentary is called Kiss the Ground. And then there's a new one out called, I think, Common Ground. But it's it's really interesting about um, farmers and uh, infrastructure in terms of like um, sustainability in farming and stuff. It's really, really interesting. So it's a documentary that I love that kind of blew my mind in that world. So I feel like your people will like it. Yes. Yeah. Go check it out. Who is, do you know, does it say who the, the director? No, is? it's some filmmakers. I think like um, it says activists, scientists, farmers, and politicians turn to regenerative, regenerative agriculture to save the planet's topsoil and combat climate change, blah, blah, blah. But like the main point of it is I think just about what the soil, like what they've been doing to the soil and how we can, um, work together in like smaller communities so yeah right awesome and yeah to that point topsoil is ruined like there's there's nothing nutritious in the topsoil anymore that's why they have to pump in bags full of nitrates just to get food to grow there and it's because we keep tilling it you're not supposed to till it like we do you're supposed to have a three field system and you rotate because then that mycelium i don't know if you know too much about oh my god i am so into the fungal world that's so funny yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's it's integral for growing things in a healthy way because they are what transport the nutrients to the plant. Yes. Yeah. See, it's all a big the real. Oh my god! Sometimes when my friends take mushrooms here, like in kind of like party girl mushroom takers, I'm like, you're having that experience that you're feeling connected to everything because like you are the mushroom right now, and that's the mushroom yeah. in the ecosystem, right? And they they're like, Meryl, shut up! Like they don't get that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, that's but a to great me, like, the, point. Right. You know what I mean? Like you are yeah. like that is what you are the mushroom right now. And that's they don't care at all. They just want to like start seeing purple and stuff. But right. <laughs> but, but to me, like the more that we're tuned into this, then the more we are like are open to see what's really happening with these big events and the kind of other stuff, you know? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I Like I said, I'm doing sober October, but I, I use psilocybin mushrooms five times a week, I think not in heavy doses, but I, I'll take like, you know, 0.25 i'll take a little capsule and for me personally i play a lot of pool and it really helps me dial in my brain just works better really yeah, yeah. And yeah i, think I, I like that a lot said about that i think mushrooms for sure. are so helpful i love like reishi mushrooms yeah i'm very very passionate about the like adaptogenic herbs and stuff that's definitely i'm like i get way too excited about that <laughs> yes yeah. and the coolest one in my opinion is cordyceps mushrooms because mm -hmm. it, it literally like reprograms the way that your blood processes the oxygen and uses it. And it's like, it makes you so much more efficient, makes your body use the oxygen that you're bringing in so much more efficiently. You don't get winded as easily. It's, it's wonderful. And, you know, shameless plug for that uh, shroom tech sport from on it, uh, human oh. optimization. Yeah. That's the best supplement I've found that 
they do a great job. Do you guys have like a on it? Do you have a code? No, I wish. No, <laughs> oh, I wish. One day. Yeah, we one just day. we give free sponsors <laughs> hoping one day somebody will hear it and be like, "Wow, those they did a good job." And then they'll exactly, come on, on it. <laughs> yeah, Get on, yeah. I mean, the fact that like mushrooms weren't really brought up or aren't heavily brought up in mainstream media of like how to cure illnesses or help illnesses just shows me everything I need to know that people they don't really care about like us getting better because I feel like that would be like almost mandatory that we would have to have that and drink enough water and you right. know all that stuff. Well, I think the first thing they teach you in medical school is a patient cured is a customer lost. I never been yeah. there, but I think that's what they teach you because 100%. Yeah. they're putting band-aids on things that need healing and they're not healing. Exactly. As yeah. a doctor of etymology, you're going to have to change <laughs> your, your, prescribe everyone like two chunk of mushrooms a day or something. Yeah. I'll, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I've got my life path set out for me. It's that do. You so do. <laughs> Oh. Well, I, I've so enjoyed this. Yes, this is great. I, I love that you're knowledgeable about this kind of stuff and, you know, that you put it into your stand-up because it, it really does take people like you, you know, giving it to people in, like, in sweet doses. You need a spoonful yeah. of sugar with the medicine, you know? And yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's how people I've always said, like, it. yes, I like to be a bridge between kind of the worlds because like I like to show people like hey I can I hold down jobs I make good money I like you know I, I have friends and stuff but still I feel this type of way and so it's like yeah so I, th I think yeah. it's good um, we should definitely get back on and do it again because um, now that we know how excited you are about conspiracy <laughs> me and Cameron will be more prepared and we'll come at we'll come at you with some heat next yeah. time oh yes okay good we maybe like sure right after the election gonna... Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be that perfect. would be good. Yeah. And I could also I'll keep a running list of like crazy things. Like, did you see Doja Cat's new post? And yeah, that would be good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see all of them. Unfortunately, <laughs> it breaks my heart. They're so weird. Uh, I want to touch back on Doja Cat briefly. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we did a whole episode on Doja Cat back. Oh, uh, you did? Yeah. What was yeah. that like? I think it was called the Scarlet Sex Kitten. Is what we called. Yeah. Them. And. Essentially, what I think is going on, and, and Isaac Weisop is who fed me these ideas, and he gave me the idea of the Scarlet Woman and this um, – basically this vessel for the Antichrist. That's what the Scarlet right. Woman ends up being, and it, it's so weird that her you know, her alter ego is Scarlet, and she's playing right into the, like, the blood and the bat symbolism, and it's – yeah, there's a lot there. We, have to, we there probably totally got to do a couple is. more episodes to unpack that. I feel like any time, uh, any to me, it's an indicator of like who performs at the Super Bowl too, because that always is like the grandstanding of a lot of weird uh, symbolism and every single 100%. time percent, yeah, percent. And you guys, I'm like, I'm like, not to bring up Katy Perry like ten thousand times, but I'm like, she's literally riding in on like a devil, like, and everyone's like, I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's so weird. Well, and it's because you want to know what it is. A lot of these people that say they don't see it is because they haven't seen anything. They've probably never read the Bible. They probably watched their shows and watched their movies and then gone past it. Not that I'm religious at all, but you, you start to understand a lot of things when you read the Bible and you understand what they're talking about in this book. And then you learn about what the Gnostics were talking about and you learn about, you know, just these different religions in their their darkness. And then you see like, oh, wow, they're, they're portraying all the darkness from these religions. And it's like you yeah. think at one point they would portray the light, but they never do. Right. No, and I think that's yeah. like – I think there'll be coming a point where our society does get to, gets like sick and tired of just kind of feeling like zombies. And there's like going to be more uh, people paying attention and 
kind of like yeah. rising Hopefully. up. Yeah, I, I think agree. so. I do hope so. I hope so. And quick, before we get off, you brought up Katy Perry. And right now <laughs> in the news, it's hot, is Russell Brand. Oh, Russell yeah. Brand was married to Katy Perry. And um, I don't really know what kind of opinion I want to have about the whole Russell Brand thing. I think he was a slimy weirdo that mm-hmm. had a drug problem and a sex addiction. And so he probably did some questionable shit. And I don't give him any pass for anything like that. And it's super interesting timing for him to be like rallying against big pharma and rallying against this and rallying against that right when the me too movement happened that's when he started his youtube channel as he started doing this and a lot of people like sam tripley is who who said it and he's like i got whispers early on that he's doing all this truther shit to to have some armor against this me too movement coming at him Mm. to like gather his own army too against like people fighting doing the fight for him right that's really interesting i mean i think he's obviously an intelligent human and probably on the same time probably did abuse his powers in some way you know i don't know but um that would be interesting yeah i just that's what made me think of it you said katie perry there's a lot about katie perry too with her always her lioness symbolism during i can't remember what show it was but she came in basically as the the i can't remember what they call it it's it's a very prominent like deity in, in babylonian religion but it's this like lioness goddess and then she came in like completely embodying it and i feel like that's what they do they they use these artists as hosts for these entities these disembodied nephilim or whatever yeah yeah but i don't think she's john benet ramsey no (laughs) No. (laughs) see that's one where i'm like i don't really know about that there was one billy eilish concert that i went to where she's like i need everyone to stand still and like don't do anything just stand still and i like kept myself moving so i'm like whatever freaky shit you're doing right now with my own chakras you're not gonna get to them but (laughs) not gonna get me exactly i was like moving like a plant being like not not gonna get this but but, yeah that's the thing it's like i enjoy a taylor swift song do i notice her like every two seconds like doing the symbolism was her hand and stuff yes i noticed that too but it, it's hard not to like think that her music is a bop so yeah well yeah. taylor swift is anton lavey's daughter and um i have i've seen that theory yeah yeah anton, really? LaVey, yeah, anton lavey started the church of satan but we she looks her... just like her it's really weird really like her <laughs> yeah. mom and dad are on tour so do you think that's just not those are like her plant parents or like yeah i think a lot of yeah. these people in the illuminati the the surrogate parents are chosen specifically because it's bloodlines. It's bloodlines mm. of these Satanists. And I mean, it's not even the Satanists that do it. The LDS church does it. Like they are really infatuated with bloodlines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she probably the parents were like put in right at birth and they're like, here, here's a kid. But yeah. at the end, Anton is in the back, like <laughs> she's gonna be the lead. Yeah. <laughs> and she is. I mean, and then I was seeing on TikTok so many girls saying that like after her concert, they have amnesia. Like it's a it was like a big thing where people were saying, Oh, after after they saw Taylor Swift, like they had amnesia. And of course it could be like they just were so excited and then this big event happened, and then it's kind of afterwards you just get so excited that you like freeze or whatever. But that's yeah. to me like something huge where i was like maybe i don't necessarily want to go to the tour or like watch the movie right now or you know it's there's a lot of like power behind it yeah whether it's you know well an amnesia gives me that's like reminiscent of hypnosis a lot of people have amnesia when they are put in a hypnotic state yeah they have missing time they don't remember it yep no 
It's, it's, it's creepy. It's I wish we stuff. could get like a, a brain colonic and like I just want to like have everything like taken out for a few days and then I can like put good new stuff back in. Right. <laughs> <I like that>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just wipe the hard drive, re-download all the important operating systems. Exactly. Yes, because I yeah. wish I could undo just years of childhood like watching movies and yeah just brainwashing in general and you could like take it out with a straw or something and get it like a car wash yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well um i come up with that idea I'll, I'll you'll be the first to know do it okay thanks yeah. i'll help i'll be one of the um, sales, sales girls I love yeah that. uh meryl do you want to plug yourself one more time yeah thank you so much um i would say instagram i mean it's still in the matrix so yeah uh instagram is the best way at Meryl Klemo, M-E-R-Y-L-K-L-E-M-O-W. And that's where I post all of my comedy shows. If you guys do have listeners on the West Coast and come see me and, uh, you know, tell me that you're a fan of this show and I will totally make your, sure you're an extra friend. So Awesome, yeah. awesome. Perfect. I love it. And, <laughs> and I'm so glad I connected with you guys. This is even more fun than I expected. Yes, awesome. me too. I appreciate it. Thank God for Podmatch. That thing is so I awesome. I know. I've like only met yesterday. I talked to like two sweet Canadian guys and now I talk to you. Like this is, it's honestly amazing. <laughs> Perfect. That's I awesome. love it. I love it. And folks, um, her Instagram will be tagged below in the show notes. You'll be able to find her and um, yeah, everything will be below. Ladies and gentlemen, give us five stars. We deserve it. We deserve it. We deserve a subscribe. <laughs> We do hard work for you. And honestly, I'm not going to go anywhere until you do it. <laughs> I'm waiting. All right. Thank you, folks. That's all we needed from you. Meryl, this was beautiful. I really appreciate you coming on. And um, I loved our conversation about comedy, too. Uh, maybe one day if I ever have a podcast that's not about conspiracies, I want to do a whole show about the comedy aspect because that's a big interest and passion of mine. Do it. You should do some stand-up, too. That'd be oh, awesome. <laughs> Honestly, day, I, get, yeah. I get stage fright. I get afraid of going up in front of people, but I don't know. I feel Back like it's one of those day. things. Yeah, like I've seen I've seen people at open mics, like their hands are shaking and they could barely do it. And to me, I just think that's awesome that someone is trying something new. And it's like, I don't know if you really ever get over that nervous feeling. I just think it does get a little bit more like, ah, I've done this before. Uh, it's like, mm -hmm. it's really right. not as bad, you know? And I think when you have prepared some what you want to say and you're kind of like armed with your material the stage fright gets a little bit less because you're you're you kind of know what you want to get across right and your jokes kind of carry you through the nervousness exactly totally. yeah 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 so I, I always try to like take it's cliche but i do try to take my nerves and like make it into energy and just remember that for the most part people are there to be entertained and they're there with love right yeah right i love that Oh, that was beautiful. And this was such a great conversation. And we really appreciate yeah. you blessing us with your presence. Yep. Thank you. I am, uh, I'm headed to the beach. So oh, my gosh. You, <laughs> you two have so a great lucky. rest of your day. You go put those toes in the sand for me, buddy. I yeah. got you. All right. Have Mr. a good Worldwide. night, everybody. <laughs> right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.